Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Q3 is over. That's a good thing. Working on Q4. I'm going to go with one prediction. There's going to be at least one update in the market in this month. We'll not worry about the quarter yet. We got a good start. The reason? Credit Suisse isn't going out of business yet. OPEC oil cuts. We got some Kim Kardashian news, you guys. Stay tuned. Mitch, how about that intro? Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders, investors. If you were part of that $6.5 billion selling balance on the close, you're not too happy right now. S&P futures are up 27 handles at 36.2850. We're a good 50 handles off that note low at 35.7175. Uh, the buck, that's just hanging out. That's up 24.6 cents at 112.33. A little little hope for interest rates. TLT is up a buck thirty-five at one hundred three eighty. Uh, crude, we'll go into more detail. Crude in a second here, up three sixty-five at eighty-three fourteen. Uh, gold up again, uh, sixteen seventy-five. That's three bucks. Uh, silver doing better on a percentage basis. That's up forty-three cents at nineteen forty-seven. Bitcoin, uh-huh. not not moving with the market. That's bad for Bitcoin now. Uh, Holders down 265 at 19,160. Uh, also, Ethereum's down $40 at 1292. We're going to start things out with Mitchie Mitch. And uh, Mitch, how, how was your weekend? You, you got your loss out of the way on Thursday, so you didn't have to suffer with the Lions fans for another, another devastating loss at uh, Ford Field. Yeah, let's just say uh, even when you're thinking about betting on the Lions, you don't bet on the Lions. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I've had some uh, some suicide pulls, and you know they sent you know of course everyone went with Green Bay, including you know including me, holding yeah. my breath. But you know from 300 people, it's down to 40, oh. and like and three people had the Lions, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like you yeah. ne- never take, never take the lions, but people don't want to talk about sports. They want to talk about stocks. stocks so where do you, stocks. where do you, where do you want to start with stocks? Let's talk about some oil. Oil is definitely going to be on a lot of people's radars after we're getting rumors out there about oil prices, jumping on reports that OPEC plus could be considering a production cut. They have a meeting on October five and ANZ sees a significant chance of a cut as large as 1 million barrels per day. Analysts at the firm said in a note. So we're going to see. Is this a little trick to get a little spike into oil or will they actually come on in with their production cuts? 
these things are so hard to follow, you know, cuts, no cuts, you know, you got, you, everyone knows my philosophy or what they're doing with the cuts and stuff, but the really, the only thing we, we don't know what OPEC is going to do. The only thing we can do is concentrate on the price action. The price action is positive here in the futures up a smart four and a half percent. That's helping our oil stocks. Uh, upper right chart uh, for Dennis, who complains about the charts, who's not here yet. Uh, your upper right chart is showing you, you know, some resistance. You know, we're coming off the double bottom. So we have no double top yet. I guess if this is for real, in my opinion, you got the 83.32. You got this one pesky high at 83.57, 83.70. You know, above there, you know, things will open up again. But that once again, I mean, if if you're good, uh, if you're good, you know, trade in the rumor or buy the rumor and sell the news or whatever, that. The oil game is one difficult one to uh, uh, to follow on that one. Is there any oil stocks that you want to look at, Mitch? Yeah, of course, we can look at some oil stocks. We can look at the famed Oxy, right? I mean, that's yeah, the one that cool. everyone's taking bets on. It's made its move back from 58 all the way back to 63.91 now. Doesn't look too bad. Almost back to the 64.50 where I sold it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that now you see, uh, it didn't get the big bump off Warren, but it is getting the big bump off increase in oil. I would say, man, up two and a half bucks, four percent. Is there anything in there? 64. Yeah, I, a lot of people getting their money back. Let's see what happens at that pre market high. Uh, that pre market high is coming in real nicely with uh, a high from last week at 64.27. So I'd be waiting to see. I wouldn't be buying it up 230, but uh if I'd been scooping it up with uh with Warren down here on a on a lower risk trade, a little swing trade here, I'd I'd be hawking that that 64 to 6427 area. Uh Mobile's getting a big boost off this as well. Uh ooh, that's clearing a triple top. That's too bad. Uh fill the gap. Let's look for the gap fill at 9052. Haven't got there yet for ExxonMobil. And let's go with CVX. Uh, Chevron, that's probably gapping up to whew, 150. Wow, this thing really got schlacked, this 150 to 155 area. But these are short-term targets today uh, based on the uh, the cuts. All right, I'll bring a smaller headline as we wait for uh, Triple D to join us in. Let's bring a smaller one here. This is going to be a Disney headline. Uh, TV channels owned by Disney are back on Dish Network Corp as the satellite broadcasting and streaming platforms after the two company tentatively agree on a new contract. A weekend blackout saw millions of Dish customers lose access to several popular uh, Disney networks, including ESPN and ABC. And so uh, the battle was there and you know how it is. You need your ESPN. You need your ABC. So uh, Dish Network uh, coming in here with a new contract, trying to make sure that they have Disney on. So that this happened providers. over the week. This happened over the weekend. Yeah, and it, it wasn't only for uh, Dish. Also, I saw mentions for Sling. I saw mentions on Fubo that they were having troubles with this. So it looks like there's tentative contracts that Disney is trying to rework. And of course, milk it a little bit, right? I mean, you guys need us. What a what a haircut from uh, from the earnings. I mean, yeah. one twenty five down to ninety five. Whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, Are we down to the pandemic lows? Uh, no, the pen here's the pandemic eighty. 80. And yeah, yeah, but uh, this is tough. I mean, it's all it's up eighty seven cents on this. Hundred sticking out to me, but that's still four eighty away. Um, I don't know if you're liking Disney down here. I mean, what was the June low? June low was ninety twenty three. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I, I would. What's a daily high? Just give me a daily high here. What's Friday's high? Right there, you go. If this is really any good news, ninety seven forty eight. There's your target. You haven't even sniffed that yet. So, so you're looking for a target, and if you want to get this pick this up and they come in and whoop the, you know, spoos down to unchanged. Maybe you can get Disney unchanged, a uh, low close of the, uh, the recent downslide since earnings that close comes in right near the low at 94, 
28 was low, 94.33 with the close. And, uh, yeah, I want to ask Triple D about that uh, that close there, Mitch, with uh, the selling balances. They kind of – Yeah, definitely. We need to ask him when he gets they on. Kinda mop, on they got the minutes. mop out, man. They're like, Oof. okay, it's the end of the quarter. I can't take the pain anymore. Just get me out on the close. I'll sleep this weekend. And there they, that's what they did. Well, guess what, team? You guys smash the like if you guys want my man Triple D on. Let me see those likes get a quick jump. Let's go ahead. Let's get him on. None other than the one, the only, with a Lions shirt on, Triple D. Yeah, I'm wearing the Lions shirt because in Detroit, we accept moral victories. When you score 45 points is in that a game, like, it is like a win. So even though like we a... lost, we still have a moral victory here. So this is how we celebrate in Detroit. 45 points, just like a win. So we're taking like the a, moral the... victory and we're running with it. The participation ribbons, you know, the seventh and we eighth take place. Those. Here you go. We take those as Lions fans. <laughs> we take the participation ribbons and we mount them on the wall because this is what we have. This is the team Put them on that the we've cheered for <laughs> for 35 years. This is how it works. You get 45 points in a game, moral victory, participation ribbon, all mounted on the wall. Did you watch it, Dennis? Lions fans. It was Did a huge watch- game. Did you watch it? Part of it, and then I shut it off. Okay. Did you <laughs> did you see the point where they stopped them on third down? No. Yeah. Well, this is late in the game. They're down no, one No, I had score. shut off way by then. Okay. I know this is going to bore people. But uh, so it's third and long. They're down a field goal. They shut them down. Uh, oh, wait a second. The clock wasn't working. We got to redo the oh, third gosh. down. Oh, gosh. The guy, it's like third and 15. They run a draw from like the 40-yard line. The guy scores a touchdown. This is just the way (laughs) Lions, this is like bad teams find a way to lose and bad teams have the worst luck as well. It's both. So, you know, if something's not going to work out for you, it's not going to work out. Like that's just Lions, bad luck. They'll never have good luck. And they're poorly run. And it's just such a bad combination. So anyways, season's already over. But we'll take the moral victory. Uh, Did you do a uh, bus stop run there, Dennis? Did you run out to the bus there? uh, We missed you at the top of the show. Did you go out to the bus? No, it's an issue here. It's a whole different debacle. My outdoor fireplace had an issue. And the pilot went out on my outdoor fireplace. So I stepped out there and there's gas smell. So so then I'm like, I don't even know where the shut off. So I I found there's two separate shut off rooms. And there was a shot. I'm like, where is the shut off? For the gas, and then I, so I found it. So, yeah, the life of owning a new house. Here, you know, be careful on your smoke break, Dennis. Okay, be careful on your smoke break out there. Yeah, no, well, yeah, okay, I know. Just a, a quick <laughs> little. Okay, Dennis, we got to go. Bring us back in. Bring us back. Reddit Suisse. What are we going to go into? I want to. I want to know about the clothes. What about the clothes on that? You trying to make me remember back to Friday? Yes. Like I don't do all that. There were some cells, yeah, and they yeah, hit it hard point, off the close, it and we've bounced one? since. And sometimes you do see on these end of months or end of you know quarters, which it was, you sometimes see some turning points. So there was everybody just selling stocks, selling stocks, end of the quarter, into the end of the quarter. We basically closed on the lows, and we were up since then. So now, again, you know, we bounced 20 handles. So, you know, is this the turning point? I highly doubt it, but... You know, at least it lines up with an end of the quarter because a lot of times you get overall turns there. I don't think the market's going to turn though, Joel, until we get that light CPI number. But yeah, there was some sound balances on. The Did close. you get anything on the cheap? Because I, I was predicting that you. Uh, that I can't it, remember. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, a few things gapped down, like Apple gapped down. I remember that, and it kept yeah. going lower. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah. So there really, there really wasn't the corresponding bounce. That no, I think. there no. was. It was kind of a straight sell-off. There wasn't like gap downs, really. It was kind of a straight just selling pressure, straight sell-off. They had it pretty smooth. So there wasn't like, you know, like a boom and then a huge gap down in the close on the stocks. There maybe have been a couple that did that. But for the most part, it was just kind of steady sell-off the last 20 minutes. Okay. All right. All right. Um, overall market. I mean, I, you know, I kind of wanted to say on Friday that that was a definitive breach of the June low, uh, going as low as we did. And then, you know, now we we're popping up here today, that June low basis, you know, whatever contract you want to use, that was, I'm just going to call it 3640. Cause I know we've already, we've already rolled the contracts, but, uh, 
you know, that that's the bogey, right? To get back above that June low, that was it. Uh, now, basis this contract, it was 36.55, but you kind of feel like that was a definitive break of the June low yesterday, and then they, they jam it up today. So we got we got some resistance ahead, that's for sure. It's not, it hasn't been, and people just think, oh, yeah, you know, the shorts are just killing it here. It has not been easy shorting this market. No, not The market has been a battle for everyone. Even though we're going overall down, it really hasn't been that easy because there's wicked little short squeezes continuously here. I mean, you know, we've rallied 80, 90 handles a lot of these days that we end up closing red. We've had wicked little rallies Friday. overnight or in the morning. It Friday. hasn't been like smooth straight down. It's been a lot of chop through it all. Could this be a sign that we're closer to the end than the beginning? I think we're, no, I don't think so. I think we're kind of, I think we're in the middle of innings. I think we're in the early innings of the recession. I think we're in the okay. middle innings of, you know, the stock market, bear well, market here. With- I, I personally don't think we're going to get back to all-time highs for a number of years. I think this is going to be a lot prolonged bear market. That's why I'm, I'm heavy cash. You know, if I thought we were going to bounce back in six months, I just don't see the path to get there. I mean, there's just too many issues here. The economy, I think this earnings season is going to be an epic, epic disaster. I've said that already. I'm very scared for this earnings season. I think that's why you're seeing pressure ahead of it. You know, because every time we get a little bit of a rally, people are selling stocks. There's a reason Apple doesn't want to rally. We've said that already. I think Apple, I think you're going to see numbers here. Obviously, Bloomberg hinted to it. I think Apple is Bloomberg's going to, going to be correct. I think the Apple numbers aren't going to be good either. I think there's just people who are strapped for cash, and I think it's going to sh- start showing up in these quarter, this quarter's earnings. It was well, a double last... whammy. It was double whammy. It was uh, it was uh, Bloomberg and then uh, Bank America. Yeah, and I mean, it, it adds up. I mean, are you really hungry to go? Oh yeah, I got to trade in my you know eleven to get the fourteen or whatever for a better camera right now. If you're hurting for cash. I mean, yeah, the rich people are always going to, you know, have money. And that's why, you know, you, you see certain things, even in Ontario. So talking to my real estate uh, buddy there who, uh, you know, he kind of keeps me, you know, uh, in kind of what's happening with real estate. The crypto guy? Is that the crypto guy? No, no. No, it's it's my friend's real estate agent. But anyways, um, he he's, you know, always tweeting out and talking about, you know, the housing prices. So the average house in Ontario has fallen from the peak. Of eight hundred from eight hundred fifty thousand down to six hundred fifty thousand, so they've come down substantially. That's the average home sale. But he says everything above like one point five million is holding on because, and that's again, the rich people are still rich. So the higher end stuff is still selling, kind of, and the higher end stuff isn't really falling off. It's that middle stuff. So it's like the you know the the average Joe is you know who is obviously stretched. You know, and, and when the mortgage rates went down to 1.8% or 1.7%, some of these rates, they were able to get a lot more house. And that's not the case anymore. You know, rates have come up four and a half, five, five and a half, depending, you know, where, where you're at. And, you know, they're stretched now. So that's why you're seeing those houses that went from like 400 to 500 to 600 to 700 to 800 in the last couple of years, quickly coming back down because people just can't afford that much of a house now. So you're not going to get that much, you know, at four and a half percent or five percent as you are at one and a half percent. So it's like a separation. Like the high end stuff is still selling, but the middle stuff, you know, is that's where it's going to hurt. And then I bring it back to Apple. I'm like, there's a, you know, yeah, sure, the rich people are still going to buy a new iPhone, but what about the average Joe? They're probably not. iPhones still half the revenue. So I'm scared of these Apple numbers. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into the kind of main headline from today. Of course, last week, there was a lot of questions that the Fed could pivot if we have a financial incident or maybe start seeing some instability. Well, today uh, you're seeing shares of Credit Suisse plunge nearly 10% in Europe's morning session after the Financial Times reported that the Swiss bank's executives are in talk with major investors to reassure them amidst rising concerns on the Swiss lenders' financial health. Spreads of the bank's credit default swaps, which provide investors with protection against financial risks such as defaults, rose sharply on Friday. Um, I mean, these European banks are an epic disaster. You keep thinking, how low can Credit Suisse go? What's the all-time high in Credit Suisse, Joel? That'd be a fun one. Yes, oh, how far can you go back? 
I mean, I'll take a I look can at go it. back to it's back to 2010 at 55 dollars. It's three bucks now. Holy, I keep going. Look at 2007, have, uh, 80 dollars a share. 79, 29, and 07. This, yep, this, this one isn't buy and hold. This is buy and fold. I mean, 80 dollars to three bucks. Story. I mean. <laughs> They obviously have <laughs> serious, serious issues here. So mm-hmm. when stocks go from 80 to 3, it's not a good bet that they're going to bounce back from 3 to 80 again. It's a better bet that they're going to go from 3 to 2. So well, we have another Lehman Brothers situation here? Well, here's the problem. You know, we don't even talk about a potential financial crisis. Yeah. They may have that in Europe. We may have that. I mean, the banks are telling us we have that. Deutsche Bank, same thing, 7 bucks. This is a multi-year low. What's the all-time high on Deutsche Bank? Ooh, do the same thing. Hundred bucks. I, I think it is. Uh, uh, I have. Might might have been more. Let's see. We'll go back first. to the same time period. Uh, yeah, same time. One fifty nine seventy six. One hundred fifty nine dollars to seven. Here you go. Uh, you're down ninety four percent. Stocks, you never get your money back, and sometimes it just keeps getting worse. 95% down. No worries. People have to start getting out of their head that if I buy this stock here today, eventually it hit all-time highs again, and I'm going to make this kind of money. We're Great not conversation, anymore. Dennis. There's a lot of stocks that are never, never coming back. Some, is... maybe the overall market's going to eventually one day. A lot of stocks are never coming back. Peloton is never going back to $180. I'll say it today. I mean, obviously, you know, just my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball. But unless they come around and reinvent or cure cancer or do something, you know, even if they cure cancer is probably not good enough. Well, $180 a share, never going back there. I mean, there's so many other stocks, same story here. They're just not coming back. Credit Suisse not going back. Deutsche Bank's not going back to $157 a share. You're literally 15 years later and you just keep losing money. These bags continue to be bags. Uh, I, one thing that they are considering um, is a name change to Debit Swiss. <laughs> yeah, that might That's be. That's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> They're gonna need to. I like. Um, what's the uh, What's the other one? RBS, uh, right? Royal Bank. Oh well, yeah, but got, it's gone. Yeah, so it's gone. Really, yeah. What about gone. Barclays? Is Barclays getting hit on this? Oh yeah, Barclays, oh, BCS. Boy. Well, England's got its. You know, you're, you're obviously. <laughs> You got the UK's got its own issues over there. They've thrown in the towel on inflation because the economy's gone south. So they're like, okay, well, forget it. We won't even battle inflation anymore. We start QE again. So they got problems. I mean, major problems. These European banks, there's a European bank crisis going on. Nobody's talking about it. So here's a whole nother can of worms. Honestly, there is absolutely no reason to just come in here. We need to stop. I think people need to stop thinking about how I can make money in the stock market and start thinking about how I cannot lose money in the stock market if you're investing-wise. My investments haven't gotten done well either. You know, I'm 60% invested yeah, in the conservative you. stuff too. And it's still, even the conservative stuff's getting hit. I mean, and, you know, we haven't even talked. You know, we I, I said the consumer staples, they were coming for those. Look at Procter & Gamble in the last month. 150 to 126. Why the do you block. want to own? It doesn't make any sense to be have a P a twenty four or twenty five with three percent dividend. Why do you want to own that over cash? You don't, and that's why the stuff's getting sold. Yeah, the, the rates are hitting this stuff. Utilities. Why do you want to own utility stock for a four or five percent dividend? I'll go and just get cash. XLU seventy eight to sixty five. You know why? Because the rates have come up enough that it is competitive with these, and there's no reason to own a utility stock and take stock market risk if you can get four or five percent cash. Not where you want to be right now. They're hitting value. They're hitting growth. They're hitting everything. They're hitting everything. But, you know, with that being said, there's going to be some opportunities. I think if you find good companies, maybe at reasonable valuations in here, you'll probably be happy. But something trading 25 times earnings, like somebody was tweeting at me the other day, something trading 25 times earnings is not a reasonable valuation. I don't care. It's consumer staple and it's cash flow. It's always trade 25 times earnings. You have to revalue those stocks. Because we're not in a 1% environment anymore for cash. We're in a 4% environment, going to a 5% environment because rates are going to go higher yet. So if we're tracking that way, those stocks that were trading 25 times earnings don't make any sense at that. They make more sense at 18 to 20. So there's a revaluation of all of these bond-like type stocks, which is the utilities, the consumer staples, where to say, well, they've traded 25 times earnings for the last decade. Why is that going to change? Well, everything changed with rates. We didn't have, you know, we, the rates have been low forever. We've had QE. Tina. You know, every, 
people are sitting with cash and they're not making cash. So they were using these as cash equivalents. Well, it's not the case anymore. So things have changed. So it's not reasonable to pay 24, 25 times earnings for companies that aren't really growing. It was before. It's not now. So I think people need to change that mindset and say just because, you know, the average bear market in the last 10 years lasted six months or nine months means I'm going to get my money back in six or nine months. It's not the case. I'm sorry. It's not um... the case. We have completely changed everything. The Fed has intentionally changed it all. And what we need to do is start recognizing that valuations are going to contract. And you're seeing it immediately here. We predicted this on the utilities and the consumer staples on the show for a long time. Again, I was early. I was saying this back in June, you know, and then they got hit. I was like, finally, they're going to hit. And then they read the ridiculous rally in July and August. Yep, yep. That, well, you know, I'm wrong in that. But you know what? Eventually, I'm glad I didn't own any of these things. You know, I had, you know, the preferred stocks. And I had the utilities in my long-term portfolio. And I had some consumer staples. And I sold them all. Because it didn't make any sense to have those stocks in your portfolio. We didn't get 4.5% or 4.2% in cash. And we're going to 5 because the rates are going higher because inflation hasn't come in yet. So that makes them less attractive. Again, there's a reason AT&T and Verizon go down every day. And that's because they're like bonds. T and Verizon are an epic disaster. And these are industries that are actually under attack. This is why I've hated AT&T and Verizon for a long time. It's $15 now. This stuff all sucks. So yeah, is it coming Verizon. back next week? I think any type of bounces you get on these are met with, a, with, a, with all the bag holders getting ready to sell them again. Do you so see to come in here and just say, yeah, rah, rah, all-time highs by the end of the year is just ignorant to the situation that we're in. What about – or did you see Comcast, two-for-one stock split? Um, all of them, Joel. What these about are, – These are value not all companies. Of them. Not all of them. Well, there's a few that have been holding T-Mobile. up. T-Mobile. Why, why, why is T-Mobile? Because why, why is that hold? I guess why is it's that the leader. leader. But yeah. uh, just real quickly, That's, Triple D uh, is uh, – But it's not a built- dividend play, T-Mobile. It doesn't even have a dividend. That's a growth. That's, That's a different it? type of different type of company. If you're in your stocks for a 4% dividend, they're hammering those things. And they're going to hammer them to six or seven percent dividends because that's where it gets, you know, where the risk reward comes back to owning them. If you can get four percent in a risk free asset, you're not going to buy a utility for a four percent with no growth. It doesn't make any sense. You buy that utility for seven percent because you pick up the extra three. So they're going to hammer these things down till the dividends get enough attractive over the risk free rate. But if we keep raising the risk free rate, that means they keep hammering these things more. This is, you know, just the way what is happening. I'm telling you what is happening here. Maybe it all changes. The only way it all changes is if CPI gets in the check and they fed pivots. Or we throw in the towel like like England. the UK yeah. and just start lowering rates anyways. Then everything changes too. But either well, way, you're fighting the Fed if you own these stocks. Are we uh, paying up 40, what, 45 for PE uh, forward outlook on Tesla? I don't know. Tesla coming in here with their deliveries. Let's talk about it. Tesla's delivery uh, delivered 343,000 vehicles in the third quarter of 2022. The estimate was expecting 364,660 cars. So definitely missing there off of their deliveries. Uh, The total production was 365,000. So production wise, they met, but they didn't meet the deliveries there. Um. You know what? It's I, I love Tesla. It's higher end vehicles. It actually should these this actually should hold up better than Ford and GM. Which you know, which I'm going to say again. Um, some people are saying, oh, people are still buying cars. I went through the car lot on the weekend, Joel. Just took a drive through. There's nobody there. There's like <laughs> nobody but like it, it, uh, just going through. Uh, maybe it's just my town. But there was nobody going through that car lot buying cars. It wasn't like, oh, you can't find a salesman. There's salesmen everywhere. I'm, I'm scared. Tesla, completely different animal because it's high-end cars. The rich people are still rich. So they're not you know, losing all their money because interest rates went from 1% to 4%. They're probably making more money because they're sitting with cash you know, and they're getting more on it. So the rich people are still going to buy. So Tesla actually is a little bit more immune to a recession than Ford and GM. If that makes sense, you know, you follow me, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, to we you. are. Sense no, to we, we, we've had this. We it's were talking higher about end stuff is Porsche. going to hold up a little bit better. But with that being said, there's a certain group 
that were probably paying up that couldn't afford them, and it's going to be those people they lose. So they will get some, you know, hits there if we do go into a full recession. The valuation has never made sense on Tesla. It's a reason I don't own it, even though the company is the best-run auto company out there. I love Elon Musk. If it ever came to a reasonable valuation, I would back up the truck and buy all kinds of Tesla. But it's never been reasonable for me. I'm concerned about the Twitter thing. But, you know, I don't know. It came down like, if it got cut in half from here, would I buy it? Probably. Uh, get Phil. Uh, for you all waiting for that gap fill back from uh, July, uh, you gapped up from 250.66 the next day. Looks like you, you already got that in the pre-market. Uh, no other low. The low that day, if you're looking for another level, is 243.48. These are just daily levels. Uh, uh, Thursday on my, uh, uh, my market update for pre-market press subscribers, I said, they're shooting the generals, and and that that's what happened on Thursday. You know, boom, they took Apple out, bang, and then they took uh, uh, Tesla out, bang. You know, the yeah. big boys. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at these things and you're thinking, well, you know, buy the dip. Well, you're not even anywhere near the June lows in either of these issues. So, uh, of course, Tesla will have, you know, it will have his. Uh, traditional you know intraday rally of you know of some magnitude uh and if that is the case yesterday's low is 10 bucks away 262.47 if i was trying to wiggle out i'd be at like 262 261 and a half just you know because they just they get those quick pops up and then we'll see uh the closing price on friday 65 and a quarter but uh really hard to find a really maybe under 240 but uh first things first uh, fill in that gap, which it's about to do. Uh, S&Ps are just kind of like, how many times have we seen this scenario? They just kind of sneak up in the pre-market and then uh, get slammed. And then another thing that you mentioned too, Dennis, you said rallies. We we were off at one point on Friday. We were off 40 handles. Yeah. At Every lunch, day, Joel. Every day. Yeah. There's no reason to sell the dip because we've had a million rallies in the sell-off. You've had so many rallies in the sell-off. There's no reason to chase and say, "Well, we're down a hundred handles. I got to sell now." Because tomorrow you get a fifty-point rally. I think you got to be selling rallies, though. I think that's just the way this market is. I think there's there still could be some more pain ahead. It's not cheap. I mean, I think if the market got down to thirteen or fourteen times earnings, that would make sense more when we're in a when we're talking, you know, of a four or five percent risk-free rate. When we're talking a 1% risk-free rate, 20, 22 times earnings makes sense. So there's a revaluation happening here. And it's happened, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens slowly. So again, the only way that changes is if the Fed pivots or and we see some CPI data that comes in significantly light. But other than that, if you've just been going just with the data and just following that, you've been selling stocks every rally, you're making money. All right. Now, one thing I do want to let you guys know, audience out there, if you want to hear more about Tesla, it might be the bearish outlook, but I will be having on today at 1.45 p.m. Eastern, come to Stock Market Movers, uh, and, and I'm sorry, pre-market prep, I'm battling, trying to be the best show out there on Benzinga, battling, bringing on Gordon Johnson on at 1.45. Don't miss that, guys. We'll hear the bearish outlook on Tesla. I'm excited to get on in and see what uh, Gordon's been working on. I'm sure he's going to bring some research. So we'll find out what he has an outlook on Tesla. That'll be at 145 today. Don't miss it. Stock market movers. All All right. New guest. We we got a new guest here. Let's bring him on. Webb. Begol, how you doing, Webb, from Market Reader? This is one interesting guy here. Hey, Webb, how you doing today? Very good. Glad to glad to be here with you guys for the first time. Thanks. Okay, so let's get the important questions out of the way first. Okay, is your real name Webster, or is this <laughs> Webb just is it is it just a nickname? It's my initials. Uh, first name William. I'll skip the middle name, so I go by my initials, Webb. Oh, that's cool. Webb. Okay. It's okay. an awesome name. I love Thank Web. Okay. I'm like, that's a great name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, especially with like the internet and you know the, right. the product the well. project. Yep, the product you're working on. Um, okay. Also, so we, we have diverse guests on this show, right? People that do a lot of different things. But this is our first guest ever to produce shows on Broadway. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on. Carried away. Off Broadway. 
close right. enough. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Brad, just, just tell us, you know, how you made that transition. And you're also a photographer. So like you talked to my daughter, Emily, but, uh, wow, what a transition. What, what, what was it? What was the tipping point, uh, to make you dive into the markets? <laughs> well, I started, uh, uh, as a programmer, hobbyist programmer. I wrote my first program when I was six. I've been a computer programmer like all my life, but I really pursued theater in, in college. Um, but I did get a triple major, uh, photography, computer science, and theater, uh, wound up producing off-Broadway theater, uh, here in New York for five years. It's actually more stressful than the market, even even this market. So it was a nice transition to get away from theater and uh, and get into uh, trading and uh, doing a lot of technical analysis, trading uh, equities, options, uh, uh, futures, etc. And uh, in 2015, got into uh, uh, joined Jens Nordvig to start Exante Data, um, uh-huh. and uh, that's that's since then we've spun off and, and created Market Reader. So do you want to go to that thing in the background there first uh, to explain Exante or do we want to go? I know you gave us some great examples, uh, um, you know, what you guys tell, tell us about Market Reader and then uh, maybe sure. we can go into a specific example. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sure, sure, sure. So um, Exante Data, we started that in 2016, uh, Jens and I, and that, that serves the world's leading uh, institutional investors, um, and we focus on macro risk and uh, cross-border flows, etc. Since then, though, in uh, this year, we decided we wanted to start a new product that would re- use our analysis to kind of reach out to a broader audience, more of uh, retail traders, individual investors, um, and talk about equities and the, and and the actual moves in the market. And one founding issue with that we wanted to address across everyone that we talked to, in, including our our top institutional investors is everyone wants to know why something moves in the market, whatever you're watching, whatever's in your portfolio, you want to know what just happened and why did it just happen? And we get that question across all levels. So we wanted to create market reader to actually answer that question. So first to analyze what's going on in the market. So we watch, um, currently we're watching 11,000 us equities. We're going to expand that to basically everything. We're going to try to get everything, uh, uh, cryptos, currencies, commodities, global equities, et cetera. We're watching for any unusual moves. So we profile every single asset and we know in multidimensional dimensional arrays, like what normal is, and we can detect if something is abnormal. And then we go and look for what's going on. We check news headlines, we check social media, we check other things that are happening in the market, um, calendar events, macro events, uh, announcements, et cetera, et cetera, and try to put a reason and explanation on that move as quickly as possible so that we can minimize how long it takes for any trader to understand what just happened in the market. And then they can make their own decisions about what they want to do with that information. All right, let's go to a specific example here because I know Triple D's ears are perking up here talking about uh, relationship-based trading and news affecting other stocks. You sent over uh, this example of uh, Carvana here. Uh, just uh, you know, walk through this example, what people sure. are looking at. Uh, I remember discussing this when it happened on the show, but I got it up on the screen for you. Absolutely. So what our system, this is a, a, a GIF of, uh, or GIF, sorry, of what our system detected uh, on September 29th, so Thursday last week. We detected at around 7 a.m. that Carvana was moving unusually. So you see that little first purple bar, we identified the purple bars as the unusual ones there on the chart. And we identified that it was moving and that the, the only thing we could find was that there's a historical relationship between Carvana and CarMax, of course, and that CarMax just came out with earnings. So we were able to identify that the Carvana move was happening in sympathy with CarMax uh, about 30 minutes, almost 40 minutes before it started coming out in headlines that everyone was noting that it was moving in sympathy. And then, of course, for the rest of the day, uh, Carvana just sold off like 20%. So 
that's that's the advantage that we have. It's things like that. Whatever the reason might be, this is a this is a great thing that we can do really uniquely. I think uh, I'm really excited about it is being able to identify programmatically those sympathy moves as they happen and and before they really take off, before everyone else has realized that it's happening. I mean, it's nice. Like, I mean, this is, I've built my whole career of 22 years just trading relationships and understanding the intricate little relationships and, and the ones that are changing. I mean, a Carvana CarMax one's kind of obvious, but, you know, can you identify relationships that maybe aren't so obvious? Like, does your system pick up like earlier? Like, because sometimes like, why is that selling off? And then everybody's, oh, it was selling off because of this. I mean, I, I would think Carvana CarMax, you know, most uh, uh, any professional trader would figure that out fairly quickly. But some of these relationships are harder to figure out. That's right. That's right. So we, we do analyze every relationship across all assets all the time. So when we have, especially in the moment when we have two hot bars, as we call them, or where something's moving unusually, we have two stocks that are both having a hot bar at the same time. We analyze quickly the historical relationship between those two. How often do they move this direction together? Um, and if there's a significant relationship, we will look at is whatever's moving that other asset possibly what's also driving this one. Um, and we're able to analyze too, like which one is having the larger move or the more liquid move. And that might also be a thing that's driving or, or explaining the, the sympathy move here. So we, we it's all programmatic. So we didn't we didn't tell the system that CarMax and Carvana have a relationship. It right. Itself. It figured it out. Yep. Which is impressive in itself. And we also, at the same time, of course, we're looking across news headlines and, and social media, et cetera. So if someone on, this often happens, someone on social media, like Twitter, for example, um, there's an incentive structure for someone on Twitter to go in and tweet out the reason the stock is moving quickly so that they get the followers, et cetera, et cetera. So our system is able to pick up those tweets. Uh, anything that's explanatory. We filter out someone talking their book or how excited they are if something's going their way, but the explanations on Twitter are what we're picking up. Yeah, I was just going to say the disinformation uh, that's out there, and we're actually getting a, a great example of that today. Uh, like with, uh, I mean, did you guys, you know, pick up anything this morning off, uh, you know, the Kardashian news? I mean, obviously that has, you know, not direct, but, uh, you know, was there anything, anything that popped up on a uh, market reader? I mean, it's definitely, definitely not good news for, for cryptos. Could, could it analyze that's something right. as, uh, obtuse is that um it will we haven't added cryptos to our system just yet uh but that is our okay. next expansion uh right now we've, we're just focusing and really trying to hone in our models on equities because it's a system that we have a lot of eyeballs on uh you know dennis Jolie and, and mitch you've all been on equities for a long time so there's a lot of ways that we know how to try and analyze these questions and explain why things are moving in equity space the answers are sometimes often different in uh, uh, in the crypto space. So once we've got this landed, then we're going to move into crypto and start analyzing what's unique over there as well. Now, I, we see the relationships there with stocks, but does it also go into, let's say, economic data that comes out and how that can affect a certain stock? Absolutely. So we are tracking when uh, when there's releases uh, or, or announcements, uh, FOMC releases, et cetera. Um, we've been tweeting out some analysis where we just kind of talk about uh, what has happened in the past year on uh, announcements, depending on a beat or miss. Um, but we are picking up um, or analyzing when there's what we call a calendar event that might be like an earnings event for the stock, but it might also be a macro event. And what we do then is we, we look at what has happened to that stock historically when this has come out, and we analyze the current move in the context of that. So it might be a hot bar, high volume, high return, everyone's wondering what's going on, but when we say, oh, they just had earnings and for earnings, actually, this is kind of a mild reaction. We're able to kind of put that context on, on the move. Okay. Tell us a little bit about uh, market webs and uh, the tools that you created and uh, who's it created for? Is it for sophisticated investors, amateur investors? Tell us about market webs. So market webs was something I created uh, even before Jens and I got together. Um, but that's a technical analysis tool that really uses market profile and volume at price to identify value areas in all assets. It works on Thinkorswim. So anything that's charted on Thinkorswim, it'll work on. Um, and it identifies specific areas of value as well as points where there was significant action price levels where there was significant like uh, trading action happening. And if the market hasn't revisited those levels, we call them VPOCs, virgin points of control. 
those act as kind of targets. Um, there's one, I don't, I don't know if you if you can share the, the tweet I, I, I sent you, but there's an interesting one in the, in the SPY that is showing that we have a significant price level down at 331. Um, and, and that would be basically the inventory that was happening uh, just before we had the COVID sell-off in 2020. And as we recovered, thank you so much. And as we recovered after 2020, there, there was a, a couple months of consolidation from around like September through November there. So the system has picked up that that's a significant price level. And what we tend to see is that the price will come down, reach that level, tag it almost, and find support and, and bounce there. But the market will want to come to those levels and target them. So I really use them as price targets. Um, sometimes I'll use them as entries if I'm not already in or exits um, if, if I am in. So it's kind of a roadmap, but it follows the same philosophy that we have at Market Reader. In, in both situations, it's not telling you what to trade, how to trade, what to buy, what to sell. It's giving you context and ideas and information. It's a tool for you. So a, a philosophy that we've had at Market Reader and Exante Data and this is all that trading is a pseudo art, right? You use your tools and you use yourself and your own strategy and your own beliefs and, and what you bring to the table to make your decisions about how you buy or sell or trade it. But, it's, but you need the tools to give you the information. And what we want to do at Market Reader, of course, is give you the information immediately as quickly as possible about what's going on so you can make those decisions as quickly as possible. All right. I uh, just want to mention uh, last couple Mondays, Dennis and I, along with uh, Christian Fromhertz, have been doing some Twitter spaces. Dennis, yes, Dennis and I do figure it out and we do get on there, but just kind of <laughs> uh, talk about the just talk about the, the CPI or the recent data was going out of the quarter. I don't know if we're doing one yet today. I th thought I saw something, but my organizational skills are, are working very good. <laughs> uh, but uh, just one more thing for you, Webb, before we let you go. Sure. Um, what about, I mean, does this thing sleep on the weekend or, or, or what's going on the weekend? Because, uh, you know, there are, I mean, obviously the move in the futures overnight uh, didn't quite get to that December 2020 low that I was hoping for. Uh, but you know, is there, you know, is, is your product working at night so people can take right. the information and then wake up at quarter to four, clean the eyes off and, and hit the screens? Or is it something that's just more, uh, better use for, for, you know, when the markets are open intraday trading? And so especially when we, when we add cryptos, that's the 24 seven asset. So that's running all the time. Um, right now we are, we are watching us equities from 4am in the morning to 8pm at night. Okay. So we're covering as, as long as we can on that. Um, we're not yet covering the futures or, um, you know, some of these more esoteric things like weekend wall street, you're probably aware of those CFDs. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I used to watch, I watched that during the, uh, the only time I really watched it was, um, when we were really crazy, uh, during twenty. Yeah yeah, 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 and then I'm absolutely. like, nah, just use my spoons. But anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, absolutely. Like, like my ambition, our ambition, really is to is to cover everything that's moving um, and, and to analyze it to give to give that context. So uh, yeah, as we as we add the cryptos, we'll we'll be providing more information over the weekends. Our goal is next year to start moving into or having a, a platform um, and a service that people can subscribe to and get alerts when when things in their portfolio are moving and and know exactly why they're moving when they happen. Um, and uh, yeah, right now we, we're built we're just building out the back end, building out those models, building out the tools, um, and probably our first product offering will go to enterprises and try to get integrated into brokerages and and platforms like that. Sounds like exciting. Uh, Webb Begol, uh, founder of Market Web, so, so working with our buddy Avin Schnittman over there uh, on Market Reader, Market Web. So uh, great having you. We'll, we'll have to find out if we're going to do that uh, that three o'clock that thing with Christian. Oh, yeah. It's always good though. I mean, because you know, there's quantitative approaches, there's fundamental approaches, there's technical approaches, yeah. and. You know, a lot of a lot of different things. Uh, Triple D, I'm going to let him go unless you want to add. Yeah, anything. no, thanks, Web. No, it's great stuff. I mean, obviously, we like. I love the quantitative approach to the market as well. I've tried to trade the quantitative approach for a lot of years too. So, love your stuff, Web. Thanks. Absolutely, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Like always, uh, threw up the link there in the chat if you guys want to check out MarketReader.com and also maybe give them a follow on Twitter.
All right, let's keep going. Ali Meltop, Joel. This what is, are you is this doing over is the there? bottom in? Is the bottom in? Oh, yeah, we, we, we've started. called nine of the last 14 bottoms. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is the bottom in? That's what everybody wants to know. Is, I thought, is, well, is it the Kim point? Kardashian bottom then? The Kardashian bottom. Oh, You're right, let's Mitch. not go there. It's the let's Kardashian not go there. bottom. <laughs> oh, I got to get in there. You see how I jumped in on that one. I'm not touching that one, man. But uh, uh, Are you going to pay $1 million? That's the bounce. question. Shake out the shorts. Well, Kim out. Kardashian agreeing out. to pay more than $1 million to settle SEC charges, no. failing oh, wow. to disclose a payment that she received for touting a crypto asset on Instagram of all places. This case is a reminder that when celebrities or influencers endorse investment opportunities, including crypto asset securities, it doesn't mean that those investment products are right for all investors. Gary Gensler stepping up, the chairman of the SEC, going after Kim Kardashian. Gosh, I'm Matt Damon. Look out, buddy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, like... It's slippery slope here. So multiple thoughts here. One, I don't like all these, you know, celebrities promoting all this crypto as well. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of money here. And they're like, oh, yeah. So, you know, getting paid to promote this stuff, I think, is, you know, slimy in itself. But with that being said, there's a slippery slope here. I mean, how far do you go down? What's a celebrity and what's an influencer? Because there's a million people on my Twitter feed, you know, pumping crypto all the time. Yeah. So you're going to start going at them? Where do you stop? Like Kim Kardashian, obviously, the very high-end celebrity. So where do you go down to? You know, are you going to start charging Matt? Are you going to go charge Matt Damon now? You know, similar. Obviously, you had the crypto commercial. Did he disclose? I don't know if he disclosed or if he didn't disclose. But it's all just a slippery slope. I actually don't really like that they're doing this for the simple fact is I don't know where it stops. So they need to draw a fine line on where they're going to, you know, not allow people because you know everybody's talks their book you know where do you where do you stop that's the question i saw not to directly address this but uh i think it was in barons either the the last week or the week before uh that um she was getting into private equity and uh and funds and some they were like oh this is it this is the the super top of the market i think it was kim that was uh getting into it um I mean, it, it, you're right, Dennis. It is a slippery slope. Yeah. You know, how how do you trade this? What, what trading information is this? I I know absolutely nothing. I'm just looking at Bitcoin, and I would just say that it's been mirrored in this this lower range here. I would say it's not a good sign that it's not rallying today because it has been going with the market as of late, and the market's up. So um, it just seems to be just just not what it was. It's just a trading range, you know. Uh, a hedging vehicle. I mean, hedging, I mean, just people trading the currencies off each other, the cryptos. I, I just, I don't know where the pizzazz is anymore, but down 255, that's over a percent with the market up. I would this say. just is holding and it's NASDAQ stock. It's been holding up. NASDAQ has been trying to hold those lows too. We're just kind of meandering right around there. If we go out to the dailies, see the lows. Yeah, we undercut it a little bit there on Friday. It's at the undercut and rally. Some people are gambling that because they're buying stocks here this morning. But when the NASDAQ really seriously takes out that support, if it does, Bitcoin will probably take out its support as well. We were just talking relationships with web, crypto, very positively correlated with the NASDAQ. Let's right, go to Mitch, the next headline. Yep. Let's go to Goldman Sachs upgrading here. Wells Fargo to a buy at current levels. They're saying that we see well, Wells Fargo as an unappreciated earnings growth story due to best-in-class revenue upside and efficiency improvement from rates and loan growth-driven NII. So um, I don't know. Maybe they see something that we don't. Well, they're downgrading Citigroup too, so it's a yeah. They're playing trade some here. kind of games here. Um, downgrade on Citigroup, upgrade on Wells Fargo. Must be relative valuation call here. Uh, full disclosure: I'm long Wells Fargo, uh, just in the overnight account here, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm selling. This is just an overnight <laughs> trade, so I'll be selling this after the open. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard to be bullish oh. any banks here right now. Um. I think on the intraday, at least you have some uh, gap above on the daily that you can start trying to fill up there towards uh, 
what's that low? One forty one forty four. So maybe yeah, it's a fill in there. Yeah, it's a real interesting area here, Mitch. You nailed it. Um, you got a gap from the top of yesterday's range. Uh, 41.14 up to exactly what you said, 41.44. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say, yeah, it's going to stop dead at 41. uh, But I don't know. Unless the spoos just continue to rip. Uh, I mean, you could get up and fill that gap. I'd use 41. There's room to 42, but again, yeah. you're, you're uh, buying. It's a dividend, 2.93%. of The dividend's not that great. Yeah. The growth really isn't there. We're going into recession. Why do I want to own a bank? I don't want to own banks. Well, do you want to own uh, maybe a, a Peloton? <laughs> Is there news <laughs> Saw on Peloton? some Peloton news out today. Uh, it's with uh, Hilton. A little partnership with Hilton. Uh, Peloton says that all 5,400 Hilton branded hotels will feature at least one Peloton bike in every fitness center by the end of the year. They're trying it all. They're trying it all. They they also got into Dick's Sporting Goods last week. I don't know if you guys caught that headline. Uh, they put themselves inside Dick's, Dick's Sporting Goods, which I think – isn't a bad call. I mean, if you can see the product, maybe you can buy the product, right? The stock is massively oversold Peloton, but I think eventually it's going lower. So I think this is due oh, for a pop- 14 to 6. So, I mean, this thing is massively oversold. And, you know, we're down from 170. But, again, if you're buying Pelotons, don't think about the $170 high. Don't think about the $100 high. Don't even think about the $14 high. Because the stock is not coming back. So I think the path of least resistance is eventually lower, but we're oversold. If you're looking to short this thing, I would wait for a good bounce to short it on. I think you're short in the hole at this point in time. I do think Peloton could eventually be under a buck long term. So, But I've said that for a while. Um, I'm not jumping in and shorting at seven. I mean, there's not much left on the bone here. So I just don't see any reason to own this. Uh, let's talk about Hilton. Uh, Hilton's getting a little pop off this and a couple thousand shares. Hi, got it. Hilton cares zero about this. This is just up 1.1% because the market's up 1.1%. So Hilton, they could care. I was trying not to talk about Peloton, Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) I was making sure Hilton's not getting a pop off. If we were in the office right now, if we were in the office right now, I would throw something at you. (laughs) <laughs> the camera would have got off and he would have just, just slung I'd something. I'd put you in a timeout. I'd be like, Dennis, uh, Dennis, go down and get our sandwiches. You right make them, no, you the make them actually Remember do those a sandwiches workout. That they're, they're they're guys the they were building. good, man. They Who was good. the guy, Mark? Was he the guy? That made yeah. Sandwiches? Good. You know what? I, good almost, sandwiches, man. I get that tuna melt. That tuna yeah. melt is awesome. I'm almost you tempted see what to see. Tuna melt. I was almost tempted to drive. I drive by that building, went downtown. Actually, went downtown. This weekend, and it was busy. I saw, uh, just to let you guys know, I'm just not all about uh, sports. Uh, what did we see? Um, Dear Evan Hansen, you ever hear about that? The play? No. You no, guys, no. go back in your caves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, bring it, bring us back right, in here. All right, let's bring it back tangent. in. Um, one trend that I'm starting to see more consistent is more of the deglobalization trend and how this is going to affect stocks going into 23 is something that I think we need to kind of keep thinking about because it just seems like everything is going more and more to that deglobalization trend than before. And I mean, I think this is going to lead into a long term, maybe a decade of changing outlooks, especially in like things like energy, right? Everyone's like, well, I don't want to depend on that country for energy. I want to depend on my own country for energy. So I think this is a trend that we're going to continue to see expand. Nail on the head. I mean, deglobalization is going to be something people are going to be talking about for a long time here. We've been a global economy, everybody working together on the same team. There's teams being formed here. And we can see it's east versus west. And, you know, we're going to start bringing stuff back over here. And if you want to solve inflation, this is not the way to do it. Deglobalization is going to be very inflationary for North America because, one, people aren't willing to work for $2 an hour over here. So if we're going to start producing more stuff, which I think needs to happen in North America, prices inevitably are going to continue to go higher in the long run. So that's not the the bad news. The good news is we become less dependent on, you know, on – in looking at China, if we can start making stuff over here again, I think it needs to happen. 
deglobalization might be here for a long time. For years, we talked about globalization of the economy. This is now separating, and we are seeing deglobalization going to happen, it looks like. And unless, you know, we make amends with China and the whole Russia situation with Ukraine goes away, I just don't see this global economy as in the same way yeah, that I would broken. have saw it three or four years ago. Broken. It's the it's a word. I mean, we talked yeah. about demand destruction. We've talked about a lot of different words. Deglobalization is a serious issue for stocks as well. Yeah, serious issue, and I'm sure it's going to take charge, especially once we get, you know, to the next presidential election. You're going to hear more and more talk about it in the midterms. So just keep your eyes out on that. Um, we'll see if the solar trade really falls off the tape. Right, first solar has been hanging on for a while. Will it finally fall off the wagon? It's been hanging on here. Uh, it got that uh, upgrade, and just it was on a bad day to give an upgrade. Um, that was Thursday. Uh, what I'm looking at this is uh, a trading range. And you know what trading ranges mean? Trading ranges means, uh, you know, a ramp up for the next move. So, yep. you know, you have the bottom of the trading range here. You have the top of the trading range right here at 140 actually this is closer to 142 and i found a date going way back on this uh now the trend you know i'm just going to go with you know the easy technical analysis trends that i never follow uh but you're in an up move um you have consolidation uh you know resolve the move of consolidation higher i mean that, that that's that's the trend right now but uh real tight trading range and even the inside day on friday for first solar Technically, it looks pretty, pretty. I'll say that. As I, I know. You look at that support. and pretty, and I look at that like, whoo, man, it takes out 128. This thing's going to fill the gap at 80. But, just uh, have, it's, and I'm long for a solar full, full disclosure here just in the overnight portfolio, but I have been buying some solar stocks. The relative strength in these things has been fantastic. So, I mean, we yeah. have been in a straight down market, and this thing won't go down. So, I kind of like that aspect of you it. But to. if you like relative strength, this is. The, the stock of relative strength. Mitch loves right relative now. strength. All right, I'm gonna let you guys. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the time is uh, has passed me by here. Uh, Nine o'clock. Uh, Triple D. I will catch you at the top of the hour. Uh, good to be back uh, this Monday. Actually, it's uh, synthetic uh, Thursday for me uh, because day off on Wednesday for for the Jewish holiday. So if you're following the Sell Yum Kipper. That's worked pretty well. Buy or sell Russia Shunna. Buy Yum Kipper. Uh, that'll be Thursday morning. So take it away, guys, and uh, be back with you later on. 10.30, pre-market prep Sounds with stock good. odds. All right. Have a good one, Joel. We'll get you on out of here. Dennis, any last uh, words of wisdom for the beginning um, of the I'm week? Still, I'm still just trading this market neutral. It's been a lot of chop. I'm okay. buying dips, selling reps. Buying the dip here, selling the rip here a little bit this morning. I'll probably sell a little bit. I'm going to probably sell more stocks here. As the morning continues here, we're getting a nice rip to sell stocks into again. I'm not going rah, rah, full on bullish until I see the CPI data come in light. I don't even want to anticipate it now because we try to anticipate the last two times and it comes in not light. So, you know, maybe this is going to be the time that's going to come in light. We're going to, you know, but it's no point to get bullish and tell the Fed. At least we get a reason for the Fed to pivot. There's been no reason for the Fed to pivot yet. So there's really no reason to come in here, rah, rah, bullish and say, oh, stocks. The stocks aren't even cheap. We've said that. You know, 19 times earnings, 20 times earnings is not cheap. Apple, 24 times earnings is expensive. So if it's 23 times earnings now, whatever, because it's coming, it's still expensive. Um, so I don't think there's no reason to get bullish until we see that CPI data come in light. I agree. Have a growing Dennis. Enjoy what you do best. Go back to your trading action. And uh, last thing I'll leave off with, if you guys want to go ahead and catch more of uh, kind of strategy outlook, like I'm going to mention right now, you guys got to come on over to live trading with, of course, Lord Ryan Zunaid and I. As we get into some live trading, you'll hear talks like this where we're talking about a declining wedge here. And you guys can see here the rule of three, as I like to call it, three peaks, three troughs, and then we're looking for that breakout, right? So a first peak going into that 139. Then you get a pullback area going towards creating a support, right? Then you get another push. So that's going to be a resistance one, support one. Resistance two, support two. Resistance three, 
support three. And when I get resistance three, I'm always looking for a move back to support to create that last level of support to really create the volume profile that's going to be needed on the next swing up to resistance for the breakout. These are the kind of topics that we talk about on live trading. So if you want to know more about this kind of action, come on over to live trading and ask me about the rule of three. I'll see you guys on over there and then keep it going right here on Benzinga. And don't forget later today, like I mentioned, we will be having Gordon Johnson joining stock market movers. Don't want to miss that. If you want to think about a bearish outlook on Tesla, you definitely don't want to miss this uh, interview. And then maybe, maybe you're an investor in Tesla. You're a bull. Come on over. You got a question that you want to battle Gordon Johnson on? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm going to definitely be doing a little bit of sourcing, crowdsourcing on out there. So we'll see what happens today on Stock Market Movers with Gordon Johnson. Up next, live trading. Hit the like on your way out and let's keep going right here on Benzinga. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.